This programme was made with the support of the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland. These are some of the sounds of Dublin Airport. You're listening to Gateways, a four-part radio documentary on the airport. Its people, its neighbours, its customers and all those who help make Dublin Airport special. My name is Ger Ledden and you're welcome to this programme, the second in a series of four programmes documenting Dublin Airport. In this episode, we talk to members of the Dublin Airport staff about their own particular roles in the airport. We talk to the architect behind the design of the new Terminal 2 building. And we also talk to the chief executive officer of the Airport Credit Union. You can see there now that's a part of our emergency response, Dublin Fire Brigade and the uh, National Ambulance. During the making of this segment, I had arranged to interview Dublin Airport's Fire Chief, Jerry Keogh. But as if to demonstrate the unpredictable nature of the fire service, there was an actual call out as we prepared for our interview. They're responding now to uh, an APU with smoke coming out. The APU is the auxiliary power unit at the rear of the aircraft. So we have a report, obviously, of smoke coming out of the APU. It shouldn't be, it's not a normal occurrence. Uh, the airport fire officer has, has commi- no fire He's committed some resources into the incident, but not enough to warrant. So he has the fires out now. Uh, the fire is out now, you can, as you can hear them, and they're wanting an engineer now to go out and just have a look to get the thing out of the way. So we're back to normal, more or less. Even though the fire trucks are down there, they can still respond to the runway. And you still have an ambulance and four or five tenders still yeah, in, yeah, in, in standby. Yeah, yeah. Willie Carwin, uh, firefighter. Willie, you're just back from a call-out. Can you just describe what the call-out was? Uh, the call-out was a ground power unit connected up to an aircraft over one of the stands. So uh, we had to have a first line torn out, all vehicles torn out. Basically because we don't really know what fuel is on board the aircraft itself and we're here basically to protect the aircraft. Do you ever worry about what you're going to find when you get there? Uh, Not really. Uh, You're trained from the very word go when you start in the service to expect anything and everything when you get there. Our basic motto is once you get there, you assess, you adapt and you get on with the job and you hopefully overcome the job when you get there, whether it be a car incident, uh, fire, bin fire to an aircraft instance. You were telling me you're working in the airport for the past 30 years, is that right? About 34 years, yeah. That's a long time. Well, I was here when I was 20. What's it like, the airport itself, to work in? Well, I started here in 79. Uh, I used to do boat rolls. We used to do the police and the fire. Uh, a number of years ago, I came over here permanently in the fire station because I was an instructor for the defibrillation programme and the resuscitation programme. Generally working at the airport, uh, from the word go, I, I love the airport because no matter what day of the week it is, when you come in, there's always something different, there's always something new happening, there's always new people around the place, 
getting on with the job, uh, meeting new staff members, showing new staff members around, helping the public. I'm uh, Jerry Kyo, and the Chief Airport Fire Officer at Dublin Airport. The Airport Police Fire Service is the official name of the department. Uh, however, we have a certain amount of our firefighters who would be permanent firefighters. We have a certain amount of police officers that would be permanent police officers. And in the middle, we have a bunch of guys called rotators who rotate between the two roles on a 50% basis. There are two two sort of um, two alerts, for want of a better word. One is the one where we get a pre-warning. And if we're going to get a pre-warning, you'll normally get that maybe 20 minutes, half an hour out. Uh, so we would put our emergency response procedures in place. Uh, we we'd obviously call the three main principal response agencies would be on Garda Shikana, the Ambulance Service and the Dublin Fire Brigade. Uh, the other side of that coin is the no warning event where something happens when the aircraft is, is, is literally on, on a short final approach to the airport. Uh, that one obviously is a, is a bit more urgent uh, and but the same calls go out but the, and, the, and the same response will happen but obviously uh, a lot of the time the incident is over before they get there because of the speed of the event if the pilot's just literally on a one mile approach uh, the emergency services from the city will generally don't get here on time and the incident is over by the time they get here their runway at Dublin airport is 2,600 metres in length and to cover that with foam is, it's like you need a huge amount of equipment and the, 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 the you can't guarantee if an aircraft is in trouble he's not going to land on the runway so the foaming of runways uh, is not really done anymore. Statistically uh, air travel is still the safest means of transport there's no question about that the amount of aircraft that's in the air at any one given time that's a very safe mode of transport but I mean you're right in what you say it, it is a, t a tin aluminium tube which at about 800 degrees C starts to disintegrate mm. very rapidly uh, and you fill that full of aviation fuel which within a few seconds reaches over a thousand degrees C when it goes on fire so it's it's when you, if you were to look at it like that certainly the, not many people would travel but if you look at the the, uh, the the rules regulations and procedures around aviation we're a very very strictly uh, controlled um, body of, of business from a regulatory point of view we, we would get about 400, 500 calls a year uh, from an aircraft point of view. Uh, we have three stages of alert. Uh, we have what's called a local standby, which is, um, uh, you know, there's nothing very seriously wrong with the aircraft. We have then what's called a full emergency, which obviously there is something more serious. And then obviously the third stage is we have a, a crash or a distress, as we call it. Um, and depending on, on which one depends on the, on the response that you get. But certainly, uh, thankfully, we don't have a lot of distresses, uh, but we certainly do get a good few emergencies and a good few local standbys, about four to 500 in the year. We have a broad spectrum of staff uh, from all over the country, really, to be fair. Um, like nowadays, um, with, the, the, with the good roads around, people travel from Tipperary up to here on a daily basis. Carrie Gunshannon and myself are from Bray. Uh, and we have people from further down like from Lara and stuff like that so we have a broad spectrum of guys uh, they work shift work obviously so it suits them that they're coming up at, at quieter times on the roads and stuff like that uh, we have two shift system here at Dublin Airport it's 7 in the morning to 7 at night and then 7 at night to 7 in the morning um, we're not just responsible here at the fire station for rescue and firefighting we're responsible for other duties like we do runway inspections we do board scaring we do friction testing on the runway. We provide an emergency ambulance here 24 hours as well. There are times when 
uh, an aircraft might be refueling with uh, passengers of reduced mobility on board, we would have a fire engine who, which would stand by at that. But that doesn't affect the response, if you like, from the airport because the guys are standing by at the aircraft. They can still respond to another incident. Uh, from that if it's more urgent. Uh, we're here from a rescue and firefighting point of view but as I said there's a huge amount of activity happens around an international airport that the rescue and fire service will be involved in and, and like VIP handling is one of those like for example President Obama visited there a couple of years ago and we have other heads of state coming in as well so to, to be you know you've got to be on your toes that day because obviously you know there's, there's obviously um, bigger aircraft possibly coming in and stuff like that so we would always be aware of anything like that happening we'd have people near the aircraft and stuff like that but generally speaking i mean every day is a good day once there's no incidents or accidents thankfully you know? Colleagues in the Garda Shea will say we have the uh, smooth side of policing. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you are listening there to Vincent Barrett, who is an airport policeman. Now, I spoke to Vincent and to another DAA employee, Louise Wilson, who is involved with emergency planning. It is a very serious uh, subject, though, security in the airport. Absolutely. Uh, in aviation, in the, in the industry that we work in, we can't take chances. There's black mm. and there's white, there's no grey areas. Yeah. That's why uh, travelling through the airport, you'll see plenty and high visibility security and then the security checks going through. So it is a serious... It can be stressful, but you have to be a people person to work in the public yeah. environment that we're in. Louise, can I ask you, how long have you been working in the airport? I'm in the airport 13 years now. Are you from North Dublin? I am. Originally, yeah. yeah. Just a quick straw poll. How many of you are living in North Dublin at the moment? Uh, three of us. Three or four, which I think would probably mirror the actual uh, the figures in the airport. That seventy five percent of the workers in the airport are uh, live in the, in the North Cambridge, Dublin. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and you graciously allow so- South Dubliners and in, in, in oh, occasionally. Yes, the odd one or two gets in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I won't take any offence. <laughs> <laughs> Working in the airport, Louise, is it a nice place to work? It's a great place to work. How about the shift hours? I'm not shift. Oh. I'll be in 9 to 5, Monday to yeah. Friday. You are involved in emergency response planning. Do you then have to, to uh, liaise with other people, like, for example, the Dublin City Fire Service or the HSE? Is that part of it? Yes, we have every year we have either a tabletop or we'll have an exercise every alternative year. Yeah. And yes, we call them the PRAs, the Principal Responding Agencies, mm. the HSE Ambulance, Dublin Fire Brigade and, and Garda Shukon. And we plan an exercise with them or a tabletop. And of, of course, that is a big thing in airports, this emergency planning. You're planning for something that you hope will never happen. Will never happen, yeah. And if there was an incident, if something stopped the airport, if something happened in the airport... We're there ready, all the different sections, departments are ready to jump in and, and there are pre- they have the roles. There is a protocol yeah. where, you know, whoever gets notified, it goes down the line and everybody's notified. And, and it means we're prepared. You mm. know, we can't help if, if something does happen. So it wouldn't bother me preparing. It's better to prepare, prepare, be ready for something to happen rather than being caught. We don't know what to do. Unprepared. Or we're, we're unprepared for um, an incident. Declan Keane is a duty operations manager at Dublin Airport. Declan kindly took me on a tour of Dublin Airport's busy operational control room. 
the moment we're in the airport control centre here in Dublin Airport and this is the main operational hub from, for, for the airport. Uh, within this room we've everything from our airport police control room, uh, the main Dublin Airport telephone exchange, so if you dial the main airport number that's where you get through to. Our main flight information uh, system is up here as well, so if you're looking for flight information it's into this area you dial through to. Also up here we have our main car park control room, so if you go to any barrier, ticket machine, exit machine in any Dublin Airport Authority car parks, uh, you'll get through to up here. Uh, we also have a desk which controls the flow of taxis to both terminals. Uh, we have our stand and gate allocation which decides where all the aircraft park within Dublin Airport and what gates all passengers use. And then we've got our IT support for all the information technology, flight information screens, check-in systems, boarding systems is all maintained in this room. Uh, as well as ourselves, the airport duty manager is based up here in the room. We use uh, CCTV for both security reasons and operational reasons uh, to manage the flow of passengers throughout the terminal buildings, uh, the airside coming up on the roads um, and in the car parks as well. So there's well over 2,000 uh, security uh, CCTV cameras uh, throughout the uh, two terminals and the campus. How many staff would, would you have on duty at any one particular time? Uh, I think uh, in a 24-hour period day, there'd be, uh, this is uh, DAA staff, so that's operational staff, cleaners, trolley staff, uh, police, security screening staff. There'd be about 700 individual staff on duty in a 24-hour period uh, to, to keep the operation going from our side. Anecdotally, Declan, can you tell us where these people are from? Would it be North Dublin? It's, uh, pre- the vast majority would be from North Dublin, particularly the sort of Swords area. Um, but in the last number of years, they're certainly coming a lot further to work in the airport. And uh, with the opening of T2 in 2010, there was a, another big influx of staff at that point. And really, they're from the surrounding counties of Dublin, Loud, Mead, Kildare, Dublin. Uh, that's actually a direct feed from the air traffic control radar system. Uh, so on that, uh, we have a map of the airfield showing the uh, runways, uh, all the air, air apron stands. Uh, on it, uh, it works on a transponder system. Uh, so as the aircraft land, they, they, you can see their flight number. Aircraft that are landing are in blue. Uh, aircraft that are due to take off are in yellow. And then all vehicles, rescue vehicles, operation and maintenance vehicles that operate on the airfield also have a transponder. So we can also track where they are on the airfield. We have a number of what we call uh, business information systems up here as well. Uh, the first of it monitors the security screening times and the processing rates in the security areas. Uh, we're conscious of the, the length of time it takes passengers to get through. So we have a live feed which tells us how long it takes from the time the passenger joins the queue to get to a particular point just before the x-ray machines. Uh, we also have data on other screens up there which is looking at the Met. So we're looking at what's forecast, rainfall, snow, uh, winds, anything that would affect flight operations and then we also have screens, we have sensors outside on the runways so we're looking to see what the temperature of the surface of uh, the concrete is outside and that's where we make the decision whether to uh, spray uh, potassium acetate onto the ground uh, to prevent uh, icing on the runways and taxiways for aircraft safety. Many consider the development of Terminal 2 as being the most significant event in Dublin Airport's history. Pascal Watson Architects were the lead architects on the project. 
I visited their offices at Francis Street, Dublin, and in a busy drawing office, I spoke to architect David Hendren. I'm David Hendren of Pascal and Watson Architects, um, the architects behind the Terminal 2 design uh, at Dublin Airport. Dublin Airport's Terminal 2 has been designed specifically with the travellers' needs in mind. The visually striking building makes maximum use of natural daylight, creating bright and airy spaces that are both calm and relaxing, achieving a 17% reduction in CO2 emissions compared with a standard terminal design. Terminal 2 provides an iconic gateway to Ireland and has gained recognition and and, uh, being awarded several awards. David, can I ask you, some of the awards that the building has won, could you list them or are they too many? Not quite too many, but we've done. We won the Core Structural Steel Design Awards, the CMG uh, Building Design Awards, Best Public Building of the Year, um, as voted by the general public. As somebody who was born and brought up in Malahide, do you feel close? Was it a, an interesting project for you to work on? I mean, surely the airport, as you were growing up, would have been the place in North Dublin. It was a great privilege to work on it, uh, to create an iconic building for the Irish. Uh, Irish landscape and in particular in North County Dublin to have such a, a wonderful building that uh, really helps to frame the airport. How does the building get from concept to finished, uh, I suppose, working drawings? Is, does one person actually sit down and come up with a, come up with a design or is it designed like a camel by committee? Uh, it is a, well, as I say, with all good architecture, it's a team sport and it comes out of the process. So the Terminal 2 design was developed originally first by looking at the plan and the site and the available location for it. We then looked at the projected uh, schedules, so the flight schedules, and that projected, those projected flight schedules then inform the size of the building that's required. We then looked at the plan and see how we could fit it within the site that was available. So as you can see here in the book, we had three, three sort of plan options. Uh, and then they, we then take that through with the client body, telling the pros and cons of, of locating it there and there, X and Y and Z. Then it is going through, we go through an evaluation process, and that evaluation process leads us to what the best option is in terms of plan. We then took it from plan, we then took and looked and said, how, do, how would that look in section? And then how do you wrap that building in section? That's the three stages that we went through. That no, a section yeah. is a cut through the building. Cut through the building, indeed. Yes, yes. So, we, we yeah, uh, and then that informs the passenger journey along that way. And then once you have it in, in that form, you then how how can you wrap the building? What's the most efficient and elegant way to do that to seal the building up? Now, are there any particular protocols um, with regard to keeping everything under one level or two levels? In most uh, terminal buildings, the traditional form of terminal buildings would be like as in Terminal 1, where you have an arrivals at ground level and departures up at first floor level. This usually requires a very large concrete ramp to be built to get the cars up to that level, which means that a large amount of money is spent on concrete and not on elegant buildings. On roadworks, for example. Exactly, exactly. Whereas with Terminal 2, because of the site constraints and having to maintain the access into the Terminal 1, that's why you have this road running in between the centre. And that means that we then, what we call, we have the check-in building, which sits out to the front, 
the T2 road or T1 road that runs in between and then the main processor building that sits here and so effectively what happens is that we at the front, the arrivals part the arrivals and departures is located to this building in the front um it's it's quite an unusual design in terminal designs but it does actually mean you both have a very elegant experience for both the arriving and pass, departing passengers i'm just looking at the side elevation of the building it reminds me of the tail of a whale or the fluke of a whale or a dolphin am i right in saying that there is yes it is certain similarities certain definitely to that or also has similarities to a plane wing is that sort of, mm, that, yeah, that? it has a streamlined uh, something uh, yeah. about flight in it David thank you very very much for that nice. uh, my name is Edel Burke and I'm the CEO of St Joseph's Irish Airports and Aviation Credit Union when it was founded in 1962 um, it was an, an, an initiative of a number of airport workers at the time um, and I suppose it was um, the credit union movement was in its infancy um, and the founding directors, I suppose, saw how a credit union in Dublin Airport would benefit the staff working at the airport and also their families. So initially we were seen as a, an industrial credit union um, whereby people working for the various companies in the airport could join. So the likes of Erlingus, the likes of Arinth at the time um, and, a, and a number of other smaller companies in the airport. Since then we've changed into a more of a community-based credit union and the community would be the confines of Dublin Airport and in fact Shannon and Cork Airports too. Is there a community among the workers in the airport? I'd like to think there is. Um, over the years it has changed. Adele, in your time with the credit union, have you noticed a lot of, would the credit union staff members, would they notice, for example, that you might have the second generation or even the third generation of members now of families? Definitely, and I think um, it is very much a family-oriented um, industry in that uh, fathers and mothers have worked and then their sons and daughters have come to work in their footsteps in, in the airport. It is a, there is a great feeling of community when you do work at the airport. How important is the sense of community to a credit union? Um, I think it comes to the very core of what a credit union is all about. It's about members coming together, um, saving and being able to uh, lend to each other, um, which is the, you know, the ethos of, of the credit union. You're actually working in the aviation industry, but yet you're that one step removed. Is the airport a nice place to work when you're not directly involved in the aviation industry? It is, and and uh, we find that uh, members who come down off their lunch breaks and there's some great banter in the office, and um, it is everybody does tend to be in in good form when they come down to see us, and it is uh, there is a nice feeling and excitement and a buzz around the airport, so it is a nice place to be and a nice place to work. Speaking about a buzz about the airport I can actually hear now I'm not sure are you aware now I'm wearing earphones but I can actually hear this slight constant hum of aircraft would you be aware of that? I'm probably used to it now at this stage but um, it's nice to maybe open the, our, our blinds and see planes take off and come in for landing it's Does it ever make you envious do you ever feel like just packing up and going? <laughs> Sometimes, yes. <laughs> I think we're all like that. Idil, um, to get back to the banking side of it, roughly how many members would you have? We have um, 
just a bit over 15,000 members now, but they're spanned um, across Dublin and uh, um, we have offices in Shannon and Cork airports as well, so we're, we're countrywide. So it is a credit union which is focused mainly on the aviation family of, of aviators in the country. That's, that's right. Anybody working within the aviation industry, working on the grounds of the airports, can become a member. Linda Murphy is a revenue officer at Dublin Airport. Along with her dog, Lottie, Linda is involved in the detection of illegal tobacco smuggling into the airport. So she's trying to look for the scent and then her reward is whatever her favourite toy is. Lottie is a trained cigarette dog. She's trained to find, I presume, people who are smuggling illegal tobacco into the country. Yeah, that's right. And um, she's a multi-purpose dog, so that means she could. she's trained to search bags, passengers, vehicles, warehouses, um, trailers, trucks, anything. Do you ever worry about Lottie? I mean, if she's in a warehouse and, you know, it can be uh, dangerous, our job is dangerous. Well, the first thing we have to, before the dog enters a premises or a vehicle, we always have to make sure that it's clear of any hazards and health and safety mm-hmm. is forced for the dog. Mm-hmm. So we'll have a look around first and if everything is okay, then we bring the dog in. And if it comes to a warehouse and if there's forklifts and going around, we'll let the staff know that we're going to come in with the dog, so they're aware. And we actually, we have a... And a number of um, cigarette and tobacco dogs around the country at yeah. the minute. So, and they are doing a great job. Like, but um, I think we could probably do it more dogs. Does Does she ever work undercover, as such, or is she always in uniform? I know you were wear uniform. Do you ever just walk around the airport, or is that? Uh, no, no. She's she wears a harness. Yeah. So that's her. The harness is a trigger to her to let her know that she's walking. I'll get you. And what's she like off duty? Is she a nice dog? She's just a normal dog, yeah. She loves her walks on the beach and and uh, having a bit of fun, yeah, with all the other dogs. Um, I know you've another dog, a retired uh, customs dog. Yeah. How did they get on? Oh, they get on great, yeah. They, um, there's no um, no trouble between them now, you know. They just get on like normal dogs. Yeah. How often, how many hours roughly a week does Lottie work? Yeah, but she, it's, it's a normal week, Um yeah. It's a five-day week. We we work shifts and we work shift work, um, but we're also on call, so I could be called out at any any stage. Yeah. So. And other dogs in the revenue service or in the airport police, for example, I, I know mm-hmm. they have dogs as well. Would Lottie, where is she at the moment? We're here in Dublin Airport. Where is the dog? Um, she's kept. We have a, an official van, and um, we ke- we keep her outside in the van, and so. And our office is located it's close to the van, so whenever we need to need her a quick notice, we'll just... Work. Are they used enough in the service, do you think? Um, I don't think so. I think they, they could be used a lot more, and I think we could do it a lot more dogs around the country. Are they expensive? Um, they w- I don't know the, the, mm. the complete details, but they, uh, they would be expensive now, and, and the, the training that's involved as well. Um, also, the tra- they, they train for about 10 to 12 weeks, and then they're paired with a handler, and then a brand-new handler can take about eight weeks training with the dog. And how long will you have, Lottie? Um, I, should they tend to work for about five to seven years, depending on the dog and the yeah. health. But um, I should have Lottie for about seven years, I'd say. And the other dog that you have now, who's retired yeah. revenue dog, yeah. how is she getting on in? 
Um, well, he's mm. grand yet. He worked for he worked for about seven years himself. Um, he's eleven years old now. And Does yeah, he miss it, uh, or do you have to keep him active? Um, oh yeah, well he's he's a springer, so he has to be kept active. He's yeah. he's full of energy, and um, I I'd say yeah, he does miss it. Yeah, yeah. Listen, can we have a look around? Yeah, yeah, no problem. Thank you for listening to episode two of Gateways. Gateways is a four-part radio documentary on and about Dublin Airport. Gateways is produced by Ger Ledden and funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland Sound and Vision Scheme.